Hello everyone, it's Mark Odega here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 61 and today we're looking at the criterion of multiple attestation in historical Jesus research. This is the third in this series about historical Jesus criteria, and I'm turning to one of the criteria that people really, really like. And I must say that in principle, I quite like it, but gosh, I've got loads of problems with it as well. And I could use a good 30 minutes or so worth of podcasting to do it, but I'll try and do it in the usual 10, 11, 12 minutes. So let me get on with it. Right. First of all, what's good about the criterion of multiple attestation? Well, the thing that's good about it is that, of course, historians prefer to have stuff in lots of sources. No one seriously is going to say, I much prefer a single late tradition to multiple early independent traditions. Of course we want more sources. The more sources, the better. So, obviously, multiple attestation, a tradition that occurs in lots of sources, independent sources is what we want. That's great. That really ought to be a given. I can't imagine anybody seriously wanting to argue with that. And there we come back yet again to the key importance of historical Jesus criteria as training students how to be good historians. And this is the lesson. As historians, we like early independent sources. The difficulty, though, comes in the practice of this criterion, not so much in the theory. And One of the biggest uses, what independent sources do we have? And one of the key things in the criterion of multiple attestation is the use of Q. Now, Q, for those that aren't familiar with it, is a hypothetical source, supposedly the source for Matthew's and Luke's non-Marcan sayings material. And so for a lot of historical Jesus scholars, if you can find a tradition that comes in this queue, which is supposed to be quite early, which is supposed to be kind of written somewhere around the middle of the first century, something that's attested in, say, Q and the Gospel of Mark, then you've got two independent witnesses to a tradition. And if you look at some historical Jesus scholars, people like John Meyer, if they find something in both Mark and Q, they like it. They think, great, this is something that we can really work with. My problem, as regular listeners will know, is that I'm sceptical about the existence of Q. I think that Luke knew Matthew's gospel, and therefore a lot of that sayings material is directly coming from Matthew to Luke, as well as Matthew and Luke both knowing Mark's gospel. That means that there is no true independence there in this material, and that means that I'm not particularly impressed by an independent attestation in Mark and Q. But you know what? Even if I did accept the existence of Q, I would still have a problem with its use in this context because so much of the material in this Q, in, in Q, in the double tradition material, seems to presuppose elements that are in Mark's narrative. So Q, for example, talks about things like Jesus mixing with tax collectors and sinners in Matthew 11 and Luke 7. And it talks about Jesus's healings in Matthew 11 and Luke 7. But, but this kind of material seems to presuppose stuff that's already in Mark. And in fact, those that have actually practiced this criteria and tried to say, oh, look, you know, this is in Mark and this is in Q and therefore it's reliable. Don't take seriously the fact that Mark and Q have this extraordinary overlap. And so if you stress multiple attestation, you end up prioritizing Mark, Q 
overlap material. That is material that's supposedly in both Mark and Q. And the thing is, if you're like me and you actually like studying the synopsis and you like looking at the synoptic gospels in detail, one of the things you find is that Q does strange things like finishing Mark's sentence, sentences. Let me give you an example. When John the Baptist is preaching, he says, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But Q apparently says, and fire that, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Q even sort of finishes Mark's sentences. It doesn't sound to me like it's independent. I've got a problem with so stressing the independence of two texts that are, have this interweaving, interlocking traditions of Mark-Q overlap. There are all sorts of other problems with Mark-Q overlap, but they're something for another day and for Synoptic Problem podcast. But but the thing is, there, there is a difficulty here with a lot of historical Jesus scholarship and that many historical Jesus scholars, not all by any means, but many historical Jesus scholars are turned off by the synoptic problem. They don't like the synoptic problem. So they've left it already at the door when they're doing their work on the historical Jesus. And that won't really do. You have to let your different bits of your New Testament criticism interact with one another. But let me turn to another aspect of multiple attestation. And when it's used by multiple attestation by scholars like John Dominic Crossan and by the Jesus Seminar, they're especially impressed by attestation that occurs in both Q and the Gospel of Thomas. So someone like John Dominic Crossan, for example, really likes the fact that blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, which occurs in Luke 6.20 and also in the Gospel of Thomas. He's impressed that, that that saying of Jesus occurs in both Q and Thomas, which he takes as early independent sources. And so whenever John Dominic Crossan sees material that's in both Q and Thomas, he kind of rather likes that stuff. I have a huge problem with this as well. As I've already said, I don't think that Q existed, so that's already a big problem. I'm such a spoil sport in these things, aren't I? But also, I'm not convinced that the Gospel of Thomas is early and independent either. In a forthcoming book, I argue that uh, Thomas is familiar with the synoptic gospels and that you can see all sorts of places where Thomas is is showing his knowledge of uh, the of the synoptic gospels so again that material becomes problematic for me so does that mean that there is nothing much that we can do with the criterion of multiple attestation? No, I wouldn't say that because I think there is a helpful place that we can go to and that's uh, Paul's letters. People tend to be a bit overly sceptical about the use of Paul's letters in the historical Jesus quest. But actually, I think Paul tells us a remarkably large amount of stuff about the historical Jesus. And again, it's something I've talked about in previous episodes of the NT pod. But occasionally you do see Paul witnessing to Jesus' tradition and it's it's Jesus' tradition that we then also see independently witnessed in the Gospels, because most people don't think that the Gospel writers knew the Apostle Paul's letters. So there we do have a bit of independent attestation of uh, different traditions, and that might be the most promising area for this. It's not multiple attestation, but at least it's a bit of double attestation of some key traditions. They include things like the Twelve, like Jesus' Jesus' teaching on divorce, like the Last Supper traditions. There's quite a lot of material there that's of interest. But finally, and I've saved this thing to last in the discussion of multiple attestation, and it's, it's this. I think that in spite of what I said at the beginning about how historians really love 
early independent sources. There is actually an important element here that we need to think about. I've now mentioned a couple of times in both of the previous podcasts about the difficulty of criteria working in concert together. So uh, where people say that a tradition is both satisfying the criterion of embarrassment and satisfying the criterion of multiple attestation, which always seems to me a bit bonkers, the idea that that, that people are embarrassed by something that they're attesting on multiple occasions. But here's the thing. Sometimes singly attested traditions are more reliable than multiply attested ones. And it's because of that reason of later evangelists getting a little bit embarrassed about earlier ones. Sometimes what happens is the earlier texts will have material that later people find a bit embarrassing. And that means that sometimes single attestation will be more telling than multiple attestation. Because what happens is the odder elements, the more primitive elements, the stranger things drop out. We can actually see this at work in Mark's Gospel and the way that Matthew, Luke and others deal with traditions that are in Mark. Because Mark has things like, let's just take one obvious thing, let's take the way that Jesus uses physical agents in his healing, the way that he rubs spit in the blind man's eyes in Mark 8, or the way that he puts fingers in the deaf man's ears. Mark has a much more earthy and gritty kind of Jesus. You're more in touch with a sort of a more primitive looking version of Jesus in Mark's gospel. And those elements, those sort of gritty sort of personal elements in the in the healings, they drop out in the later source material. And I would say there that those singly attested traditions, like the way that Jesus is doing some of his healings in Mark's gospel, have a much better claim of historicity than some of the kind of more smoothed out reverential ways of talking about Jesus's healing that you get in later gospels. And that's something which one very rarely sees talked about in historical Jesus scholarship. There's just this assumption that if it comes in lots of sources, it's somehow more reliable than if it only comes in one. And a lot of the time, some of the stuff that's there in Mark's gospel is some of the stuff that we might need to hold up a magnifying glass to, because that might actually have a better claim to historicity than some of those traditions that have a much more a much more widespread appeal to the late to to later uh, Christian tradents and to later Christian evangelists. Well, that's my sort of parting thought in this. Gosh, I did manage to get it all into ten minutes or so. That's pretty remarkable. I didn't think I would manage it. I bet I've forgotten some key stuff. But never mind. I've got an article coming out on this topic a little later this year. So um, if you're really interested in this one and a glutton for punishment, you could uh, have a look at that too. But in the meantime, thanks very much for listening to the NT Pod. You can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com. I've got a Facebook page, NT Pod, Twitter account, NT Pod, or follow me on Twitter at Goodacre. And of course, you can find all the episodes of the NT Pod on Duke University's iTunes U. Thanks very much for being with me. I always enjoy your company, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye bye. And so, did you spot the mistake earlier in the episode uh, when I said that John the Baptist says, "I will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire"? Of course, he's not talking about himself; he's talking about Jesus. It's he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That'll teach me not to write a script, won't it? Thanks again for listening. Bye bye.